This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. All right, everybody, guys and girls, welcome back to another edition of the SmackDown Review right here on the WWE Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Ritter. You can find me on Twitter at Michael5Ritter and on Instagram at MichaelRitter5, also the host of the Football Function Podcast, which is a podcast centered around NFL news and analysis as well as just covering the entire season. So if you're a football fan and you know you want to kind of get caught up on things on that front as we get closer to playoff season, entering the month of January, things like that, that's definitely your one-stop shop for uh, all your football content. But speaking of one-stop shops, You've come to the right place. If you're just looking for a podcast to cover all avenues of wrestling from each brand in WWE to AEW to different perspectives such as hypothetical questions like the what ifs and rivalries from years past as well as an interactive mailbag episode, then this is the podcast for you. For first time listeners, this is for you. Pretty much just want to kind of give you the rundown as to what you get to expect here. Regular listeners, you already know the drill. This is a a pretty loaded week here. Not just like this week in specific, just in general here on the WWE Podcast. Every day it seems like there is a new episode dropping. I think it's like eight or nine episodes weekly that happen here on the show. So you're definitely going to get your fair share of content. It'll be worth it if you um, do the $1 a month over on Patreon because you get all the ads out of the picture. That's one thing that you don't have uh, have to deal with. And it saves you time. That's one thing that you don't really realize. Yeah... You know, you might not mind hearing the ads. Like, you, it might not bother you. Like, I don't care. I mean, it's just an ad. It takes, like, what, 30 seconds? But the fact that they're throughout each episode, that adds up. That time really does. Like, if you listen to three episodes in one day and each one of them has ads, that's, like, at least, like, I saw, like, 30, 35 minutes that you could, you know, spend listening to another podcast or something. You know, just saves you time. It's definitely worth it. It helps support the show as well. So, multiple benefits that happen whenever you join over there on Patreon. But... I guess with all that being said, we can kind of jump in to this SmackDown review, but I will say I'm going to preface this by apologizing. This is going to be an abbreviated episode. This is going to be a pretty fast SmackDown review, without a doubt probably the fastest I've ever done here on the show, but I mean, keep in mind it is Christmas. I, I struggle to find the time to not only watch SmackDown, but to sit down, get away from everything, and just actually be able to record here. So I do apologize once again for this being a, an abbreviated episode, but like I said, bear with me, it is Christmas, so... I uh I did what I could to, you know, get something for you guys. I figured in this scenario, something is better than nothing. But having said that, I do want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas, wherever you are and whoever you are from, you know, whatever country or state you are currently in. I just want to, you know, wish you and your family a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. I hope you're enjoying the, um, the time off from work. Usually, I mean, you might not get a lot of time off. It isn't like school when you get like two, three weeks off, but... You at least should get some extra time off. And, uh, you know, it's just always a good time of year. I I really love this season, just fall in general as we head closer to winter. As far as, like, the wrestling world, it's it's always kind of boring this time of year. Not necessarily, like, completely dead, but, I mean, like this episode of SmackDown, given it was a holiday episode, there were some entertaining parts in the show, but there really wasn't a whole lot you could take from it going forward. Like, for example, 
most of the the people I've talked to, they were excited to tune into SmackDown to figure out what was going to happen with Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, take another step forward in that storyline because of what happened last week on SmackDown, Roman Reigns firing Paul Heyman, hitting him with a Superman punch. You know the rest. It was entertaining. It was one of the biggest moments in SmackDown. I mean, probably for the entire 2021 year, if we're being honest, but that storyline itself, I mean, if like, just for example, when you're talking about this episode, not really taking steps forward or giving things you could take away from it, I feel like like the Paul Heyman stuff, it took as small of a step forward as you could possibly take. There wasn't no, you know, there was no Roman Reigns. We didn't see or hear from him at all. There was no Brock Lesnar. Paul Heyman didn't even make, like, an actual appearance on the show. All we got was a a one-on-one backstage interview that happened earlier in the day. So... Not a whole lot we could take from that program. We did get a number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. I mean, that's something you get excited about. I don't even care who won this gauntlet match. Like, I really didn't. I, I don't even, like, I would have been rooting for them no matter what against Shinsuke. And it does suck because I am a Shinsuke Nakamura fan and I want him to be a good Intercontinental Champion, but I just, it doesn't sit right with me. His run has been so piss poor that I want to get the title off of him and get it on literally anybody else. So, we will get into that as well as some other things that happened in the show. But yeah, I just want to kind of, I guess, apologize to you guys beforehand. Because I know you guys come here to get an in-depth, analyzed version of this SmackDown review. You know, and that's what I take a lot of pride in doing for you guys. But not only was this episode just not that noteworthy, it just, I mean, it's Christmas. So I'm going to try to get through this bad boy and get back to doing things that I have to do. But anyways... Let's start here with what happened in the beginning of the show, and that was the Paul Heyman interview that they showed. It happened a little bit earlier in the day, but it was between him and Caleb Braxton, and uh, Paul Heyman is just commenting on being publicly humiliated last week by Roman Reigns. I mean, you guys all saw what happened. It was clearly embarrassing, but I think it was a little bit embarrassing for Roman Reigns as well. Like, we talk about Paul Heyman being publicly humiliated. Well, I mean, Roman Reigns kind of got humiliated as well because he's perceived as, you know, this tough guy. The tribal chief, the head of the table, you know, the top dog. You know, he's the lion in the jungle as far as, like, WWE's concerned. That's what we're led to believe. But you don't have to protect a lion. Like, you don't protect a lion from a cheetah or, like, a, you don't protect a lion from a tiger. You just let those two behemoths go at it and let the winner come out on top. So I do think it's a little bit embarrassing for Roman Reigns that the guy who knows him best, who's been by his side this entire year, the most dominant year in Roman Reigns' career— feels the need to shelter him and protect him from another man, you know, somebody who he thinks is superior to Roman Reigns. That's embarrassing. I mean, now the WWE Universe, who you've been acting like, you know, some hot shot, and he is, don't get me wrong, he's the top guy in WWE, but to, I guess, to be publicly acknowledged as somebody who needs to be protected by another guy, I mean, that is embarrassing. And then getting, you know, your ass kicked by... Brock Lesnar, despite hitting him with a steel chair when he crawled into the ring, he still gets the better of you. He scoops you up on his shoulder and gives you the F5. So I think Roman Reigns necessarily didn't leave last week's episode of SmackDown without any pie on his face. I mean, he definitely, you know, wasn't in the best light, but Heyman shared a little bit of that humiliation, and he did comment on it and kind of elaborate on exactly why he was humiliated. But you could just tell, like, visibly, he had scruff on his face. You could tell he hadn't shaved in a while. It's only been a week, so I mean, it's probably just like a thing where he just, he doesn't shave quite as much. It wasn't like a full beard. Like, that's one thing that I noticed whenever they do this. Like, they did it with Happy Corbin and other people. If somebody, like, hits rock bottom, they always go for the, he he stopped shaving. He stopped caring about what he looks like. Well, you don't just go straight from, like, shaving your face every day to, all right, I'm going to grow a beard because I don't give a crap anymore. You know, it's, 
their stages. And I like that they kind of just gave him a little bit of scruff. Like, you don't just go straight from, I shave my face every day because my life's together to, all right, I'm just going to have a full beard. Like, no, usually you you change your shaving routine. You stop shaving as much, so the scruff just kind of pops up a little bit more. Might be a little bit confusing, or you guys might not care, but it's just kind of something that I noticed, or I've noticed in the past whenever WWE does this. But anyways, continuing on here in this interview, Caleb Braxton asks if Paul Heyman regrets it. And he says no, because it's his job as special counsel to tell Roman Reigns these uncomfortable truths, like the truth that he feels like Brock Lesnar is superior than him. Without saying it, basically like read between the lines at this point. But he says that no matter what, no matter how hard it is, it's his job to tell Roman Reigns everything and to protect him. Because that's one thing that he says immediately after this is, yes, make no mistake, Roman Reigns is the greatest universal champion of all time. But he still needs to be protected from Brock Lesnar. So I think that tells you more about Brock Lesnar than it does Roman Reigns. But Caleb Braxton asks what's next. And then Paul Heyman answers by saying that he's put so much effort, time, and energy, you know, the whole nine yards into being the special counsel for Roman Reigns in this current position that he's in, that if he can no longer serve in this position that he's still in, then he needs to acknowledge that it's time for his career to maybe be over. So, I mean, that's one thing that, uh, that you can look at, I guess. I, I don't think Paul Heyman's, you know, the end of Paul Heyman's career is near by any means. I think he has a lot of days left ahead of him here in the WWE. This is just a nice little avenue that they're going to take to kind of give you that idea that, well, maybe Paul Heyman is going to go away. And I personally hope not. I don't think that's going to be the case. There have been rumors floated around, not only here on the WWE podcast, but just in the on the internet in general, that this could all just be like a work from from Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, like a little bit of a screw job to make it seem like he's back being the advocate for Brock Lesnar only to provide that advantage at day one and, you know, cheat Brock Lesnar out of winning that universal championship. There's multiple ways that this thing can go. I mean, I just mentioned one. There could also be one where Paul Heyman really is behind Brock Lesnar and that return happens and Roman Reigns kind of gets the default babyface term whenever he gets screwed at day one. So there is, you know, there's reasons to continue to tune into this. There's reasons to be excited and I definitely am excited for this going forward. I was just kind of hoping we'd get more here on this next episode of SmackDown. The fact that we only got one interview, and I know it's a Christmas episode, but still, you know, you you should have waited till after Christmas to make that happen then, you know? Like, I, it was just kind of weird. I know day one is approaching, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm interested, without a doubt, but it's just, it's one of those things that um this feud and this program is super juicy, and there's so much at stake here. It's literally been what SmackDown has been hanging its hat on for the past year plus. So you got to be careful with how you do this. If you botch this and the turn, or if there even is going to be a turn happen, you just have to be careful, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Up next, we get the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Charlotte Flair and Tony Storm. A rematch from, uh, was it last week or the week before? I can't really remember, actually. It's, these days are kind of starting to roll together, but whenever Charlotte Flair had the match with Tony Storm, and Tony Storm looked impressive in that match, but Charlotte ended up kind of losing her cool on the outside of the ring and getting herself disqualified. Well, this is part two. This is their second match, and I will say it didn't go quite as well for Tony Storm. Um, Charlotte just dominated the early portion of this match, which does go on for a pretty long time. You could tell they were trying to kill a lot of time, but it wasn't like an action-packed match, similar to last week whenever we were talking about Sasha Banks ending up in the ring with Charlotte during that, I think it might have been a a regular tag team or a six-women tag match? I'm not really sure. Honestly, like I said, things are really kind of blurry right now for some reason. I don't know if it's just because it's early in the morning or I'm kind of in a hurry. I don't really know, actually, but it's just kind of weird that I can't remember exactly what that was. I think it might have just been the tag team, though. Charlotte and Tony 
or no, 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 Charlotte and Shotzi versus Sasha and Tony. Okay, it's starting to come back to me now. But anyways, we kind of talked about that match being like really action-packed and entertaining and how all the women got a spot to really look impressive and they kind of showcased that one-on-one between Charlotte and Sasha. Well, this match, it went on forever, but it was really slow-paced. I mean, they there was a, a spot in the match where they were just like literally taking turns trying to roll each other up and just like rolling, doing that little where you lock your legs up and you kind of have their head hooked under your arm. Both women have this and they're just rolling around on the ground. Like it's something that you've seen happen several times. So they both have several failed roll-up attempts, but Charlotte Flair does finally get the successful roll-up and walk out with her championship. As you'd expect, she wasn't going to lose on Christmas Day. There was no way in hell Charlotte Flair was going to lose this match. Absolutely not. So a little bit of a predictable win, but the right decision nonetheless. Charlotte Flair is going to go into 2022 as the heel champion and probably go on one of the best runs in her career. I mean, that's just kind of what what I expect here and what I've grown accustomed to expect from Charlotte Flair. So up next, we get the thing that without a doubt takes up the longest time in the show. It's that 12 days of Christmas gauntlet match where the winner gets a number one contender opportunity or a shot, their specific terminology. They get a shot at the Intercontinental Championship. And I kind of just alluded to that a little bit ago. I am so ready to get that championship off of Shinsuke Nakamura. So I was watching this this gauntlet with, um, I guess, with a, with a close eye trying to see who stood out. And there were a couple of guys who stood out. Now, I hope you're sitting down. I hope you're, um, you know, you got you a nice little beverage. You're relaxed because I'm about to go through this gauntlet and tell you each person who came out and how they lost or who won, I guess you should say. But anyways... So, yeah, get comfortable, because here we go. This bad boy took up a pretty big chunk of the show. Now, it starts off with Monsoor and Angel Garza. And Garza uses a wing clipper to eliminate Monsoor. Now, Eric from the Viking Raiders comes out next, and he also gets eliminated with the wing clipper from Angel Garza. I'm not sure if that's just his new finishing move. It is a cool-looking move, and it does look effective. It's way better than the big ending and some other finishing moves that top guys are using, but just something that I kind of noticed there. So, Shanky comes out next. And that's where Angel Garza's run ends. He gets eliminated from some move. I don't know. Like, they didn't even comment on what it was. I don't believe they said his name. I'm not really going to even care about it, honestly. Shanky has a lot of work to do before I even give two you-know-whats about what his finishing move is. But up next comes out the other member of the Viking Raiders, Ivar. And let's see. He does. He eliminates Shanky with a splash off the top rope. And then Sheamus is the next guy to enter the gauntlet. And he eliminates Ivar with a bro kick and then immediately hits Drew Gulak with a bro kick as he enters the ring as the next participant. Next comes Cesaro and he's the third straight guy to become or to fall victim to Sheamus's bro kick thanks to a distraction from Rich Holland on the outside of the ring and then Ricochet comes out and Ricochet has a pretty impressive little run here I will say if there was anything I took out of this match up to this point it's Angel Garza and his new finishing move he looked pretty good as like a one-on-one guy early in the gauntlet. And then what Ricochet's about to do, because he does, you know, he looks impressive. I mean, he comes out, and he does put an end to Sheamus' dominance. With an assist from an already eliminated Cesaro, he comes back out, pushes Ridge Holland into a camera guy, distracting Sheamus enough for Ricochet to get the roll-up. And you think Sheamus is going to leave and go backstage and just take his L like a man? Well, he doesn't do that. You might expect him to do the heel move, so he hits Ricochet with a bro kick and then just walks away. So Sheamus helps set up whoever comes out next with what should be an you know, easy victory, quick advantage there. 
But um, that's not what happens. Ricochet actually prevails and he defeats Humberto Carrillo and Jinder Mahal as well before Sami Zayn comes out and connects with a Huluva kick to win the gauntlet and earn himself an Intercontinental Championship opportunity. But I will say, uh, Ricochet didn't go down without a fight. Sami Zayn had to earn it at the very end. So Ricochet is probably the guy who looked very, very dominant in this gauntlet. And it does, I guess it points him in the right direction heading towards Royal Rumble season. This could tell me... Ricochet is going to have a big spot in the Royal Rumble, probably have a couple cool spots where he almost gets eliminated but doesn't let his feet touch. He's going to have a big role. That's that's my prediction. And the men's Royal Rumble, I don't expect him to win. I don't think he's there yet. But I think that without a doubt, he's going to have a decent spot nonetheless. So Sami Zayn earns himself that number one contendership. That's really the only thing you can take away from this entire episode of SmackDown, honestly. I mean, the rest of these matches were kind of just gimmick matches. But this one had a true stipulation and something that was at stake. And Sami Zayn walks away with it, and I think he would be a damn good Intercontinental Champion if he can take it off of Shinsuke Nakamura, something you could definitely pay attention to. But continuing on here, we get a video package which highlights certain stages in Paul Heyman's career, almost like teasing that his career might be over, so they're trying to like remind us everything he's done and how monumental he is in the WWE and the wrestling industry in general. So, I mean... I guess what's uh, what's understood doesn't have to be explained. Like, if you're an OG fan in the wrestling world, you already know what Paul Heyman is, who he is, and what he's brought to the like to the industry. So you didn't really need to be reminded, but I guess if you hadn't, and you really weren't familiar with all those previous iterations of Paul Heyman, then this was, I mean, it was informative. It definitely caught you up a little bit and showed you what he used to bring to the table back in his younger years. But I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think the end is near for Paul Heyman whatsoever, but I mean... I've been wrong before, and I've been uh, definitely caught off guard by WWE. But up next, we get the very last part of the show. I mean, honestly, let's see here. We had the Caleb Braxton and Paul Heyman interview way early in the show, and then we get that women's championship match, and then a huge gauntlet match in the middle of the show, which takes up you know a pretty big chunk, and then the video package by Paul Heyman, and now we get this six-man tag team match, Miracle on 34 Street Fight. So... They fit, or they made a little bit of stuff last a long time in this episode of SmackDown. It's, I mean, it's something that I expected. I was interested to see once I figured out that it was an actual live episode of SmackDown. I was curious. I was like, okay, well, that does kind of water it down a little bit. It doesn't make me feel like there's an element of surprise that's going to happen here. And that's one thing that, you know, like I said, a lot of people were looking forward to going into this episode of SmackDown because they were intrigued with how it went off air last week. But anyways, let's get into this main event here, this six-man tag team match. It's between Kofi, Woods, and Drew McIntyre versus the Usos and Madcap Moss. And there's a lot of, you know, um, I guess you can say, like, Christmas tree, Christmas-themed stuff outside the ring. There's presents, there's trees, there's cookies and pictures of eggnog, things like that. You know, there's they're just in the holiday spirit like you would expect. Baron Corbin is at ringside, and he does end up getting involved by hitting Drew McIntyre with, I think it's a candy cane. Maybe it's a uh, like a kendo stick that just has looked like a candy cane. I don't really know, but well, he does try to get involved. And then this fight makes its way outside of the ring. It goes to and through the Christmas tree and presents, things like that. Corbin does get eggnog dumped on his head. Two pitchers, actually, as well as Madcap Moss. And Madcap is actually the one who gets hit with a claymore to end this match and send the crowd home happy with the babyface team winning. And throwing presents out in the crowd. So that is how this episode of SmackDown went off the air. A nice little cheerful, wholesome moment with the fans. It was it was a nice little, um, I guess you can say, feel-good moment. 
But I am looking forward to getting back to the regular scheduled programming. You know, whenever these episodes of SmackDown actually do mean something. And there's not like this this cloud over the top where, all right, it's a holiday show. You can enjoy it because you're a wrestling fan. But don't expect a, a whole bunch of storyline changes or, you know, character development. Anything like that. So, good episode altogether, though. It was entertaining, like I said. And um, I'm, I'm excited for next week. We're really, really close to day one. I do want to see what they do with this Universal Championship picture. That's the the... That's the big question here on SmackDown. Another one, what's going to happen with Sonya Deville, Naomi? That wasn't even mentioned at all in this episode of SmackDown. There wasn't Adam Pearce or Sonya Deville on the show. It was just like the wrestler show, so I could appreciate that. Sometimes management and, you know, the general manager authority figure doesn't always add to the show. Sometimes they get involved a little bit too much. So I'm all for every now and then having an episode that, you know, you really don't even see them, hear their names. As far as I remember, they didn't even exist in this episode, so... Good little experience for me, but that does do it for me here on the SmackDown Review. Like I said, I am sorry for this being a shorter episode, but I do have some things that I got to deal with, or I guess not deal with, go do. I mean, it's Christmas. I got to go travel to a town that's about like 90 miles from the town that I live in to do a little bit of Christmas stuff with some family. So that's what my day looks like. I hope you guys all have a fantastic Christmas. Enjoy your time with your family. I hope you guys all got everything you wanted under the tree And the next time I talk to you guys, it'll actually be New Year's Eve. So we do have one more SmackDown review here in 2021. And then we are on to 2022, and I couldn't be more excited for that. So I hope you guys all have a fantastic day, fantastic weekend, fantastic week. Walk passionately in the direction of your dreams, and I'll talk to you soon.